Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 14 of Genesis chapter 3. And we're reading verses 10 through 13. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And Jehovah God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Well, from here, we've uh, taken a small detour into the New Testament epistle of First Timothy. And we're looking at God's commentary on the fact that the woman was deceived. And what we're um, hopefully going to see is... The statement back here in Genesis 3, where God says to Adam, who told you you were naked? And then Adam responds, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. I think we're going to eventually see how, even though that statement we've traditionally understood, and historically it is probably the case, that Adam is trying to justify or excuse his sin, yet there is a deeper spiritual meaning to why Adam said those very words. And it points to the gospel. But uh, first, we're, we're going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and continue in looking at the passage, beginning in verse 9, in like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. In our last study, we looked at the word adorn. We saw it's in Titus 2.10, where God speaks of being adorned with doctrine. We saw it's also used in 1 Peter chapter 3. And in that passage, the Lord instructs wives not to be adorned with outward adorning of plating the hair and so forth, but with the hidden man of the heart, who is Christ. And he enters into the heart of a woman or man at the point of salvation. The Spirit of Christ indwells them. So we saw that to be adorned in those two places was something spiritual. It was not physical. It was not outward. And then we also were looking at the word modest apparel. And it's the Greek word 2887. And it's only used twice in the New Testament, once as modest apparel. That modest apparel is translation of one Greek word. And the second time, And the only other time it's used 
is found in the very next chapter in 1 Timothy 3, in the first couple of verses. It says, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop, then, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. And the the uh, word we're looking for is translated as good behavior. Good behavior. And uh, so obviously, uh, a good behavior it is completely different than modest apparel. Good behavior has nothing to do with clothing. It is how you live and conduct yourself. And that idea fits in with the information we read back in First Peter chapter 3. Remember when the Lord was speaking to wives who have a husband who do not obey the gospel, and then he, he mentioned that they may be won by the conversation of the wives, and conversation means behavior. Well, they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Chaste conversation, it, it, although it's not the same word, it has the very same idea as good behavior. And what would good behavior be? You know, we're accustomed to hearing that that kind of uh, wording in relationship to someone in prison. They get out for good behavior, and and good behavior in prison is following the rules, obeying your superiors, and the superiors would be the authorities in the prison system. And likewise, good behavior spiritually is obeying God's commandments. It's it's following the rules of the word of God. It's following the scriptures, whatever the scriptures declare for the woman. This is what the woman is to do in the marriage. She's to be in submission and to recognize the husband is the head of the home and so forth. So again, we see that women adorning themselves in modest apparel is not something outward. It's not something physical. It's something spiritual. Good behavior is not something that you wear. Uh, it's not clothing you can put on. It is your actions, and specifically, obedient actions in re- relationship to the Word of God. Well, uh, also we see in Isaiah 61, and this just sums it all up and and basically defines spiritual adornment. In Isaiah 61, verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in Jehovah. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Salvation is um, the garment of salvation, and, and the covering of the robe of righteousness is the bride's adornment. It is as the bride's adornment. This is what women are to be adorned with the hidden man of the heart, as it said in First Peter 3, which is another way 
of saying the very same thing. Garments of salvation. You, you cannot find garments of salvation in your closet. No matter how many times you change your clothes. And <laughs> I know women can change their clothes several times in order to, to find that right looking dress. But no, no matter how many times you change your clothes, you're not going to find garments of salvation. Garments of salvation are only obtained by the grace of God as he grants mercy and he grants salvation to his elect. And and when he grants that to women, he has adorned them with salvation and with a robe of righteousness. That is the adornment that's in view in these verses. And just one more verse that would fit in with with this in Revelation chapter 21 and in verse 2 it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Now we know exactly what's in view. The, the uh, New Jerusalem the bride of Christ is speaking of all God's elect that have now been properly adorned. They all have obtained salvation. They all have been equipped with the robe of Christ's righteousness, those those beautiful white robes that we see appear in the book of Revelation that, that, that are without spot or blemish and so forth. There's no sin upon them because Christ has uh, adorned them with these garments of salvation. And that's what God is getting at. It, it's the point that he's making concerning women. Now, women in the Bible, or or a wife, a bride, we know has a, a spiritual meaning. Adam's bride, Eve, typifies the bride of Christ, all those that God saved. And the bride of Christ is made up of men and women, old and young, and so forth. It's made up of people of all kinds, uh, of all ages, and every category there is in the world of every nation, tribe, and tongue. And, and we are all part of the bride. We all are the woman. And as God speaks of a woman adorning herself with salvation, with spiritual adornment, well, yes, this should be the case with the woman, the woman who's in the church or the woman who's uh, a believer in a home. You, you need to make sure you are adorned that that this is what is going to show forth in your life to your husband or to others to your children is salvation the spirit of Christ the the hidden man of the heart will reveal himself through your life and and, and so God is here speaking to women uh, on one level and to all the believers on another level, because we're typified by women. And then it goes on to say in verse 11, 
of First Timothy chapter 2. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So, so God um, says it twice. Let the woman learn in silence. And, and he, he does not suffer or allow or permit a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, um, silence is a, a word. It's number 2271 in the Greek in Strong's Concordance. And this word is used, for instance, in Second Thessalonians, which would be the book right before First Timothy, Second Thessalonians chapter three, and I'm going to read uh, from verse ten through verse twelve. Second Thessalonians three verse ten: For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. And the word quietness is the word translated as silence. With silence they work and eat their own bread. Now is God speaking only to women here? No. No. He, he's talking to all people. Uh, he, he's speaking to men as well as, as women when he, he speaks of those, um, where first he lays down a law if any would not work, neither should he eat. That's actually in the masculine, so it be addressed to the man. For we hear there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now, the, the word uh, busybody in the Greek is interesting. It's a compound word that literally means working all around. You're, you're over here, you're over there, you're, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that. And, and yet God is translated as a busybody and, uh, you know, we've, um, we have our own definition of that when we hear somebody is a busybody. We, we think of somebody who's a gossiper. They're, they're in, into everyone's business. They want to know everything that's going on and then they're sharing it with other people. That, that's our understanding of a busybody and, and the word kind of lends itself to that a little bit. Working all around. You're, you're over here with this one and over there with that one. But, uh, then God says, now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with silence, quietness, they work and eat their own bread. Now, we have to remember, this is the Bible. And yes, on one level, this passage has application to working, to going out, getting a job, and making money so you can buy bread, you can buy food, and you can eat. And you can take care of your family. Yes, it does have application to that. But 
on a deeper spiritual level, what does bread represent in the Bible? Well, remember Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Or in Matthew 6, verse 11, give us this, they are daily bread. And in Matthew 16, the disciples heard Christ casually. He, he wasn't speaking um, a, a parable in the sense he he framed it with the kingdom of heaven is like. He, he was just having a conversation with the disciples. And it says in Matthew 16, as they um, brought no bread, it says in verse 11, How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And it's um, amusing. In one way, Jesus is talking about bread, and then he says, How do you understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread? That is, you should know. You should know by now. Without a parable, I do not speak. And and when you hear my voice, when you hear my words, look for the spiritual meaning or for the hidden truth. And he's teaching us all through the Bible. That's what we should be doing. And so, too, in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Don't think bread. Not, uh, not with the spiritual meaning. It has a certain moral application, yes, but it has, more importantly, a spiritual application of truth, of doctrine, of coming to a right understanding of what the Bible is saying. That is bread. And therefore, the work that is being spoken of is work in the Bible. It's work in the scriptures, and it's when our fingers do the work. We're we're turning pages, comparing scripture with scripture here a little, there a little, and and so this this whole section, when God says this, we commanded you back in verse ten. If any would not work, neither should he eat. If you the listener, the reader of the Bible, are not going to work for your daily bread. That's the principle Christ has laid down. Yes, we pray, O Lord, uh, give us our daily bread. And by the way, that prayer in the Lord's Prayer of Matthew 6 it is repeated in Luke 11, and it's uh, couched in the framework of a petition for salvation, because that was um, Christ teaching prayer or how to pray during the day of salvation. But in Luke 11, after giving the Lord's Prayer, he then goes on to give another prayer or petition, or he illustrates that petition with a parable. And the parable is at the time of midnight when the door is shut. And the request is for three loaves. And the loaves would 
uh, would be a reference to bread, just like today when we go to the store and we buy a loaf of bread. And, and so with that parable in Luke 11, God is instructing us how we ought to pray in the day of judgment. And that's where we're at. We're living on the earth in the day of judgment since May 21, 2011. Yet we still receive our daily bread or Again, it's expressed as three loaves, the purpose of God for giving doctrine and truth and uh, revealing his word to his people. In the day of judgment, he indicates in that parable he will continue to do so. And, and, and so we today have the same commandment that if any would not work, neither should he eat. If we're not in the Bible, if we're not um, studying ourselves, and and uh, you know uh, how do you study? Well, you open up the Bible and you read, and anything that interests you, then you stop, and and you take that book, or you take that chapter, or you take that verse, and you start looking up the words. You 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 should have a concordance, or if you can't afford an, a concordance, you You can go online because there's concordances online and you can look up the word and you can start checking things out. Or if you're, you're hearing, uh, e-Bible teaching like we're doing through Genesis verse by verse and we're continually giving Strong's numbers, you should be checking it out. You should not just simply be receiving it or accepting it as truth without verifying it, without proving it. And, and, and that's what God tells us, remember, in 1 John, when he warns us of the time we're in, he says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 1, beloved, believe not every spirit. And, you know, that, that's a statement also in Matthew 24, when someone says Christ is here or there, um, believe not. Well, that's actually a formula statement that uh, where God goes on to explain what it means to believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. When we find that expression, believe it not or believe not, it really means don't accept it without verification. You you can listen to the study, you can listen to the doctrine, you can listen to the conclusion they're presenting, but don't believe it until you try the spirits. And you try the spirits by checking it out, seeing if it's so, listening carefully, Listening for the verse, the, the, the words that are being offered, checking out those words. And again, that's why we're continually telling you Strong's numbers. So you can check it out. Now, what if, what if you don't check it out? Well, you're not working. You're not working. Uh, the, the listener or the reader of the Bible Someone who's listening to any kind of teaching has a responsibility in their role. Now, sometimes I know we're busy. We don't have time to do a Bible study maybe every night. But Sunday's a good day 
Sunday's a good day to to listen to a study or two and to put aside time to check it out. You know, we're we're always uh talking about Sunday's the Sabbath day and and Sunday's a day for uh spiritual activity and and for reading the Bible and studying the Bible and prayer. Well, here's a good spiritual activity for all of us to be involved in. It's the day that check things out. And and so, here you've heard these studies. Let me take an hour or two or three on Sunday the Lord's Day and and start checking it out. Wonderfully, a lot of these players on uh, computers... You know, if you're listening to eBible online or or wherever, you can pause them. You can pause them. Okay, there's the statement. Uh, I know some people say I I go too fast, give too many verses, but there's a pause button, and you pause it. And all right, there's the number. Let me go and search and see to see if it's so. Like the Bereans, the Bereans were proving. The things they heard. They didn't believe it. They believed it not. Until they proved it. Then once proven. Then we accept it. Then we've done our work. And then we eat our bread at that point. In verse 11 here in Second Thessalonians 3. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. Working not at all. But are busybodies. They're working all around. They're, they're maybe, uh, talking all kinds of doctrine and dismissing all kinds of teaching. They're, uh, you know, they know, they know this and they know that. Well, they don't do any work. They're not seriously and rightly checking things out. That's a busybody. That, that's someone who uh, maybe is listening to the pastors of his church or he's listening to commentaries as they have commented on the scriptures or today he's listening to these two or three or four individuals that, that have websites and, and yet personally, though he's working all around, he's all over the place. He has not sat down with the Bible and and done his own work. And God says in verse 12, Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, if you've done this kind of thing, if you have not been working, here's a, a commandment from God. It's not too late. But listen to this command, this exhortation, by the Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. It's like you've been unemployed because you haven't been following the Bible's methodology. You haven't been earnestly, diligently performing your role as a Bible student. And yet God is saying, uh, all right, now you can you can start the job right now. You can begin to work. But when you do begin to work, you work with quietness. You work with silence. And and as you do your work in silence, then the the 
uh, result of the work will be bread. You, you earn bread and then you can eat your own bread. You, you have, uh, done the necessary things and it's like at the end of the two week period or week period, you get your paycheck and you go buy your food. Here is the, the information that you put forth effort to learn and, and, and now you are learning it. And yet, even when you work, even when you work, there is a guideline. There, there is direction from God. You don't work loudly. You do not work noisily. You, you, when you're working in the Bible, you are not working with, um, some kind of loud noise of any kind, but you are working with quietness, with silence. And why would God say that? Of course, when we're at home alone and we have our Bibles open and we have our concordance open and we're reading, there's nobody else around normally, and we're we're not shouting or or making noise. Well, sometimes you do kind of get excited, and and you might let go a little wonderful um, shout of some. No, no, not a shout, but but you just say, yeah, oh, I now I understand that. But typically, we're working silently. Well, we'll we'll have to continue this in our next Bible study. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.